to 18. And we'll see what God will say to us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that our holiness, our righteousness has been imparted to us in Jesus Christ. Amen. That it was absolutely nothing of our own doing. And Father, we ask that as we look at your word tonight, as we look at your commands for holiness, Lord, that we would be hopeful. Hopeful because it is in Christ, as I already said, that our holiness is found. Help us, Lord God, for the strive for holiness, without which we would not see you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 to 18. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak all, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols, or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. When you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it, or on the day after, and anything left over until the third day shall be burned up with fire. If it is eaten on the, at all on the third day, it is tainted, it will not be accepted. Anyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity, because he has profaned what is holy to the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so pervade the name of the, of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you at all, with, with, it, with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. Lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So the word of the Lord may add his blessing to it. You may be seated. So we'll see here tonight three things. And there's a personal response, there's a spiritual response, and there's a communal response. Personal, spiritual, communal. As, you, as I said already, over 16 times, I am the Lord, or I am the Lord, appear. God is making sure that they know that he is who? The Lord your God. I am God. I am the Lord. It says this. 
verses 1 and 2 again. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. The word holy here is kadosh. I like the way Kenneth Matthews uh, uh, defines this in his commentary. God is holy in two senses. First, he is inherently distinctive in line with the very definition of what holy means. In other words, if a person wants to define holy, he must look to God as the standard. God is holy, completely separate, different than us. Second, the Lord is morally pure. In every way, he is inherently pure without sin or corruption. He is complete in all his perfections. The Lord is holy. The Lord is holy. And God tells them the first command of holiness is their personal response. And he says that the personal response of holiness begins at home, begins in the house. Look what it says in verse 3. And it seems to us an odd place to start. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. I'm the Lord your God, be holy as I am holy. Every one of you shall revere his father and his mother. Or actually here it's opposite of the Ten Commandments, it's mother and father, whereas the Ten Commandments is your father and your mother. Why that command? That seems odd, doesn't it? I know parents are going, yeah, that's right, God. That's right, God. You tell them. God commands his children to revere, really the word is fear, reverently, their parents. God has already said this in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Paul later on will say, in Ephesians we'll see, that do this, honor your father and your mother, because it's the first command with a promise. But why does this command come first? It seems odd. Be holy, because I'm holy. Honor your mother and your father. Now, before I go any further, some of us may say, you don't know my father, you don't know my mother. Some of you have really bad experiences with parents. Like, horrific. How does this fit? What do you mean? I have to, I have to honor my father and my mother. They were horrible. You don't know what they did to me. The command comes here first. Because your parents are the first authority that God has placed in your life. Whether we like it or not, God gave us the parents that we have. Nowhere in this command does God state how old you need to be to honor your father and your mother. Nor does he state in here how good your parents have to be. Now it is implied within here that the parents are expected to Honor their children also, to be good, to care for, and nurture their children. The fact is, not all parents do that. How do you honor your father and your mother when really in the eyes, in, in men, they're just not worth honoring? I think for those who are there, and let's just be honest, there's many here tonight, 
You do just exactly what you need to do. You don't go out of your way to harm. You don't go out of your way to hurt or to slander. You just... I, I don't know if that makes sense. But God doesn't leave room for that here in this command. The bottom line is this. If you cannot honor the authority that God has first placed over you, what God is saying, then there is absolutely no way that you could view God as your authority. If you can't handle the authority that God has given you in this world, how can you handle Him spiritually? Those are tough questions. And to be honest, for some of you, let's have the discussion. I can't. I'm not an expert in it. Talk to Len. He's the expert in that stuff. Uh, let's go on. I'm not an expert in that. But it's a tough call, isn't it? For those of you who've had really abusive parents. God says honor. Remember Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's tough stuff. But God says to do it. God says it's not an option. That's the personal response. Somehow in your heart, you have to honor your father and your mother. Next is the spiritual response. The spiritual response. The first spiritual response to honoring the Lord's holy is to honor the Lord's day. God has already told them to remember the Sabbath day. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Here in Leviticus, God doesn't say, remember the Sabbath. Listen to what he says. He says, keep his Sabbaths, plural. Look what it says in verse 3. Every one of you shall revere his mother and father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. What Sabbaths are God talking, is God talking about? It's not just the first day of the week. That is absolutely implied. But it's all the holy days of which God had said, you must not do any ordinary work. Quickly, the list of the feasts, the seven past, the, the seven Sabbaths of which you would be talking about would be Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Because you honor those days. Treat them holy. The second spiritual response uh, is to not be idolatrous. Now that's to go without saying, right? He says this, Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. Of course, God has already said this in the Ten Commandments. And we're going to see here the mirroring of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 to 6, says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them to serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. What does God mean by this? God says, 
You don't know what I look like. You can't know what I look like. It's impossible. I'm spirit. Well, how can you make a likeness of me? And what, what do we have in our crazy world right now? People are worshiping the environment. Bowing down to creation. They're telling you, 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 you should get rid of your house, you should move in there because there's some little nematode lives in the ground somewhere. So it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. And I'm not saying that we should go and just, you know, slash and burn everything. We need to take care of the planet. But ultimately, God has told us what he's going to do with the planet. Jesus is going to return, he's going to burn it with fire, and he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. I love MacArthur's response to people to say uh, about preserving it. He goes, wait, you see what Jesus does when he returns. Um, but we are to take care of it, but we're not to worship it. We're not to say, this is what God... That's why the sin of the golden calf was so bad. They took a... a, a Created image, a create an image in, 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 in the earth, and said, "Behold, O Israel, these are your gods." No, they're not. God cannot be seen. Remember, what always hides God when He appears in the Old Testament? Thick darkness, fire, lightning. You don't just see God. Even when Moses asked to see God, God said, "No, you can't, because if you do, you'll just die." I'll show you my reflective glory. But God says, don't even think about making anything that you think looks like me. Because it's impossible. You cannot possibly have a created thing that looks like me. Why? Because I'm holy. I'm holy. The third spiritual response is to worship God as he describes. To worship God as he describes. What it says in verse 5. When you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. Now here there's no parallel in the Decalogue, in the Ten Commandments of the offering of the sacrifices. But God uses here specifically the peace offering. He doesn't say the, the, the sin offering or any of the other offerings. He says the peace offering. He uses the peace offering as a standard because it is the only offering in which the offerer, the one who brings the offering, and the priest, God, and the community participate within that sacrifice. If you remember from Leviticus chapter 7, the person would bring their offering to uh, their peace offering to the entrance of the tent of the meeting. The priest would do his job. Some of it would go into God. The priest would get a peace. The rest was on the offer, and he was to share that with his family and the community. It was a community offering. God says, you offer it the way that you're supposed to. Look at how he says, you shall eat it. In verses 6 and 8, it shall be eaten the same day you offer it, or on the day after. you got two days to eat this. And anything left over until the third day shall be burned up with fire. If it is eaten at all on the third day, it is tainted and will not be accepted. And everyone who eats it shall bear his iniquity, because he has profaned what is holy to the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from his people. Holy mackerel, God says you're going to be cut off from his people. You know what cut off from the people means, right? God's going to kill you. Do it the way I say. That's what God says. You know, that command is not changed for us today. Are we offering peace offerings? No. But there is prescribed ways of worshiping God. God says, this is how you come to me. This is how you revere my name. This is how you study my word. This is how you preach my word. This is how you obey me. 
It's no different. We are not to fiddle with God's clear commands of how he is to be worshipped. Remember Nadab and Abihu? They wanted to play around with it. And they found out real quick. It's not what you do. Next we see the communal response. And the majority of time will be spent on the communal response. First is caring for the poor and the outsider. Caring for the poor and the outsider. Verses 9 and 10 say this. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall reap your field right up to its edges. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So in other words, when they're going there, you know, if they had corn, I don't know if they had corn, they had wheat, they had barley, we know that much at least. They didn't take it right up to the edges. They were to leave some of it standing. They weren't to go full around to the corners and get every last piece of grain they could possibly get because it's more money in their pocket. They said you got to leave it for the poor. Leave it for the sojourner, the person who's passing through. Remember Jesus, and he walked through the grain fields? What did he do? He ate the grain. Maybe it was standing grain that was left for the sojourner. I don't know. But he says, in other words, the idea is you're not to squeeze out everything for yourself. There is also the principle of work. They're poor. They don't get a handout. They also have to work. The biggest 1911 says this. You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. Now this seems obvious. Don't steal. God says you shall not steal. That's a commandment of God. You shall not deal falsely, which is the same as stealing in a different way. He says, and don't lie to one another. How can a community function if it's full of thieves and liars? Somehow the American government's working, but uh, not really, right? But it can't really function. It's impossible to function. Don't steal and don't lie. Why? Because God doesn't steal and God doesn't lie. Be like God. I am the Lord your God. Verse 12 says, You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord your God. What did God say? Do not use my name in vain. If you use my name in vain, I will not hold you guiltless. What's he mean by this command? This is the command of, of, of making a promise to somebody and, and, and you, you can be very like, uh, you know, I swear to God, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Better be there at 10 o'clock. In other words, you've sworn falsely and you've profaned the name of the name of God. Or in their day and age, they would perhaps say, as the Lord lives. No, don't, don't. Don't bring God's name into it. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 37. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. If you're a liar, 
You're of the evil one. Scripture is very clear. The next two commands of holiness have to deal with taking advantage of those who cannot help themselves. What it says in verse 13. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. Lord, don't make life a nightmare for your neighbor. How many of you had that neighbor? Anybody had that neighbor? Or you know that's the guy you just want to avoid. Don't step on his lawn. Don't. There was a lady when my kids went to elementary school, and they would be let out. There was an older lady, and she would stand at her door as soon as the kids got off because she would go out yelling if they stepped on her lawn. So of course, what did all the kids do? They would run on the lawn and laugh, right? Because she couldn't do anything about it. Um, don't oppress your neighbor. Don't rob your neighbor. Don't take. His fruit, or his fruit tree, if, his, if the limbs hanging up, don't steal his apples. Don't, don't rob your neighbor. It says, the wages of a hard worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Well, if you owe somebody, pay him. Pay him right then and there when you should. How many of you have been in a job and perhaps the owner... I said, well, you know, right, I, I really can't pay you till a, a day or two from now. Right? Have you ever, has anybody ever had that happen? Or so I really don't have it right now, but I promise you I'm going to pay. I've been there, and I said, you know what? If you're not paying me now, today's my last day right now. <laughs> don't withhold wages. James tells us that the unpaid wages of the worker cry out to God. God will say later on in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, says, I hear the cry. I hear the oppression, and I will answer it. God says, don't hold on to your wages. Give the person what they, what they earn, a fair and a right wage. It says in verse 14 this, You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. Now you think about that, don't you feel bad that God actually has to put that in there? Like, isn't that obvious that you don't curse the death? What's it mean to curse the death? Well, think about what it says here. Do not curse the death. Don't curse them. Don't talk about them. They can't hear you. It's unfair to make statements and curse them when they have no way of defending themselves about what's being said. That's what God is saying here. Or don't put a stumbling block before the blind. Are you kidding me? Somebody who's blind, and you're gonna have some kind of fun with them and put something so they trip? Makes that just totally like we have John and DJ. Like who would would you like who would do that? But apparently God said, don't do it. You know what it tells us? There's, there's no end to the depth of the wickedness of man. <clears throat> It's a fundamental issue. God is saying this is a fundamental issue of your heart. If you can curse the death and you can put a stumbling block in front of the blind, you better watch it because you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. If you can curse the death and put a stumbling block in front of the blind, you have no fear of God. It's really a warning that God is saying. Listen, you fear me. I am 
the Lord. I know what happens. I see everything. And nobody's getting away with nothing. Right? In New Jersey language. Nobody's getting away with nothing from God. He sees and he cares. This is all about how communities should love one another and care for one another. You don't do these things. The next command of holiness has to do with justice. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. God cares about justice. He doesn't care about economic status, whether it's great or whether it's low. You should not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. Two sins that America routinely makes. We defer to the poor or we defer to the great. God says, no, care about justice because God is a God of justice. Just because somebody has this and they have the means and the wealth to take care of themselves, you don't, you don't, you don't give, give them the pass because they're able to pay it off. And because somebody has no means to defend themselves, you don't say, well, they deserve extra because they don't have no care about justice. If the law says this and the person broke the law and it's clear, it's beyond a reasonable doubt, guilty, that's it. God says care about justice. Why? Because God is a God of justice. A holy God is a God of justice. And be sure of this. Some may escape justice on this side of heaven, but on the great day of judgment, justice will be done. All things will be made right. Nobody's going to get away with anything. God is a God of justice. As it says in Deuteronomy 16, verses 19 to 20, you shall not pervert justice, you shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept the bride. For a bride blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall follow, that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Care about justice. God cares about justice. But it has to be right justice. A fair justice. Not a partial justice. Not a justice leading to one side or the other. Just justice. The next command of holiness has to do with protecting one's reputation. What it says in verse 16. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not rise up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. I don't know if you listen to Alistair Begg on a, on a daily basis, Truth for Life. I happen to. He's in the book of James right now, and he quoted this. Talking about gossip, slandering, going around and talking about your neighbor. Oh, did you hear? Oh, do you know? Ooh, whoa, how can you imagine? Oh, do you really believe? You know, I'm only telling you this because we need to pray for them. Right? No, you're not telling them for that reason. Go around and slandering, saying accusations about people. They may be true, they may not be true, but they're not there to defend themselves, to make their case. He says, you don't do it. 
God hates gossip. You know what slander does? It causes dissension. It stirs up the brother. Seven things that the Lord hates. Six things that the Lord hates. Yea, seven that are an abomination to him. And one is the one who causes division among the brothers. When you go out talking about people, making fun of people, laughing at people, God says, I hate that stuff. You shall not do it. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. What's that mean? You go to court. Somebody slanders somebody. Somebody's in court. You don't go there and tell an untruth which will result in their death. That's what he means. Stand up against the life of your neighbor. Oh, I'm just going to go with the crowd. I don't want to decide. I don't want any problems. So yeah, I'm just going to, you know, and that's off of their head. No, don't do it. Justice and only justice you shall pursue. Truth and only truth. Don't lie. Pursue justice. That's what God is saying. If you, in case you haven't noticed, all of these things are absent in American society right now. All of them are. All of them. And therefore, we're not going to inherit the good land that the Lord has promised us. But God's children will. View the land. Soon and very soon, right? Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The final command of holiness covers the personal, spiritual, and the communal all in one. Verses 17 to 18 say this, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Can you be angry at somebody? Upset at what somebody has done? Absolutely. And sometimes rightfully so. But to hate your brother in your heart. I hate that guy. I just, man, you know what? If he dropped dead in front of me, it wouldn't, I would be rejoicing. Like that kind of hatred. Um, just, I can't stand. I want nothing to do. What did Jesus say that was? Jesus said, it's murder. You've murdered. You might have, you've murdered if you have that kind of hatred in your heart. Imagine if God, for all that we have done to God, what's the scripture tell us? Against you, and you only have I sinned. God says, you know what? You've done it so many times. Matter of fact, you've done the same thing. You keep coming back here and you ask, and I'm sick of it. I hate you. What if God did that to us? What if God held us to the same standard that we hold others to? No wonder God says don't judge. For the same judgment that you use, I'll use against you. We need to be very careful what we say about people, what we think about people, what we presume about people. Because we don't know, and only God does. So not hate your brother in heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. Hey, there's an issue going on. Let's discuss it. Let's talk about it. I don't want to hold this in my heart against you. I don't want problems with you. Try to resolve it. Seek peace and pursue it, the scripture says. What are one of the five characteristics of this morning? Peace. Peace. Seek peace. And if you can't get peace with your neighbor, God had the whole, the, 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 the judicial system of which a resolution could be made. But don't let you be the one that's holding on and not letting go. Let, let the neighbor do it. 
You want to hold that on? Fine, because I know what God says about it. I'm not going there. You're dumb enough to hold on to it, then you hold on to it. It says you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against your sons of your own people. You shall not take vengeance. Who does vengeance belong to? The Lord. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Does this mean you can't defend yourself if you need to? No, absolutely not. God will make clear later on in Deuteronomy that you absolutely are commanded to defend yourself if you need be. It's take vengeance, which would be a loss of patience, right? Remember what patience was? The ability to defend yourself but not do so? No, I have the ability to take care of this. I'm going to go out and do it. It's a plotting out. It's a planning of revenge. Well, if you don't do that, say, you know what? I'm not going to take vengeance. But I'm never going to let it go. I'm always going to remind that person, do not bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. How can you live in a community if there's a constant? I just can't. I can't let it go. I'm not going to let it go. I can't stand. Yeah, they've asked for forgiveness. Yeah, but you know, God, it's so bad and it's so... How can a society function? How can a family, he says a family, your own people. God says it's simple. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. <clears throat> you know what the biggest obstacle of loving your neighbor as yourself is? It's you. <laughs> You're the biggest obstacle. I'm the biggest obstacle of loving my neighbor as myself. Because why? I think more highly of myself than I ought to. Together, these commands of holiness encompass the greatest commandment. Jesus was asked by one of the religious leaders, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said this in Matthew 22, 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. Almost equal, not quite, but right there. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says this, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You want to sum up the law and the prophets? What did Ezekiel say? What did Jeremiah say? What did Hosea say? What did Micah say? What did Nahum say? shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the sum of the law and the prophets. How do I know that? Because Jesus told us that. That's why. That's how I know. What are the lessons we can learn out of this? You know, we are to strive to be holy. We are to strive to be holy. Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. 
Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The writer of Hebrews says this. And I, I remember it was about a year ago. Maybe it was just, just, maybe it was just starting COVID. If you go up uh, the boulevard here in Heights, and you start going into Hackensack, it's become Summit Ave. And you know right where the little bridge, and then you can turn down to Home Depot, because that's where I would go. Uh, or you can continue straight into Hackensack. Right on that bridge, there was a lady holding a sign. And it was Hebrews 12, 14. All she did was stood there like this. And it says, strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You hope to see the Lord one day? Are you striving for holiness on the inside as much as the outside? It might be easy to do it on the outside. We can look holy, but God sees the heart. All of these things are an issue of the heart. Cursing to death, putting a stumbling block in front of the blind, that's a heart issue. That's an inside issue. Hating your brother, that's an inside issue. All of them are inside issues. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, writes this. Put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and the true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth of his neighbor for your members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Can we just stop there for a second? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. How many of us, me, chief, be far better off? Shut up. Just shut up. Don't say anything unless it's going to give grace. Unless it fits the occasion. How convicting is this? In a world in which we live where you just spew off your feelings, spew off what you think and feel, and just, you know what, let the pieces lay. How many times in our homes have we just unleashed verbally, and I've done it more times than shame, and just left a wake of wreckage behind me? Words hurt, don't they? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. One of the greatest lies ever perpetrated. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Notice how he ties that to our words. 
you grieve the Holy Spirit when we let unfit talk come out of our mouth, when grace is not given to the hearer. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. He's talking to believers here. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Well, there's a danger of which we need to be aware of. That God says, I want you to act this way. And we may be able to act this way. And we should never think that if I am kind, if I am loving, if I treat my neighbor well, if I don't put a, a curse on the deaf, I don't put a stumbling block in front of the blind, that me and God are good. God owes me. No. Never confuse obedient, holy living with salvation. We cannot earn it by our works. Be holy as I am holy. Thanks be to God that Jesus is our righteousness. And once we realize that Jesus is my righteousness, I can therefore, with the right heart, the right attitude, the right spirit, love my neighbor as myself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Yes, Lord, at times it's hard. Lord, we've all fallen so far short here. And I pray, Lord, you would help us, if we have, not to live in guilt, but ask for forgiveness and live in the forgiveness of which you so freely give. And Lord, help us in those areas in which we struggle. Help us with that person who we struggle with. That person who has hurt us deeply, Lord, help us to let go. Help us, Lord, to be kind and compassionate, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. May we do it for your glory and your glory alone. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, let's close in a song. We can open up our hymnals to 56, to God be the glory. We're going to sing all three verses. 